and ranked. (laughs) That's tasty. Um, Yes, before you now is Cranked and Ranked, uh, the podcast where me and my friend Eddie Sparks rank rock and metal and other music related shit. And um, if you're you're reading the title, this is is the third part of our three-part Black Sabbath discography ranking so this is the i mean i guess if you came to this one is because you wanted to hear what our top picks were and so you're at the right place um and um it's but oh god yeah you know what i mean <laughs> Hell anyway <yeah. laughs> so let's uh let's let's get past the formalities uh as usual i am um, steven aka old head with me as always mr eddie sparks what's on What's on? What's on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that now. I love, I love it so much. <laughs> I'm influencing a whole, whole new batch of audience members with the, the Cornish slang terms. <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's like it's, 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 it sounds much better than what's up because, you know, being a, being a music-related podcast, it's all about like what's on. sounds like what's your, what, are you, what are you playing you know, yeah. what's on? It's like, you know, that's that's a really great greeting for for guys like us, I think. Hell yeah. So um so yes, as I said, uh the the top our top Black Sabbath albums uh we're doing the top 6. And um yeah. I mean, this is the uh I was telling Eddie earlier before the podcast that I just right now made an edit and switched albums around in my list. And I and I have to be honest like my number six, I'm pretty solid on, but then from five down to one, it it it, it was just <laughs> it was very it was very tough. Um, yeah, it, it's almost like this. We were getting a grade for this, or <laughs> or uh, <laughs> we were somehow affecting history with our choices because I I took it very seriously. But I I, I I'm I'm I guess I'm happy with where my list is now. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm. That that's the thing. These aren't set in stone. They're subject to change, but they are generally around the area, you know, that we would put them. Yeah, because, I mean, in the in episode number two, we had already entered Banger Central, and now we're literally in classic Banger Central, where it's like yeah. unfuckwithable content that, <laughs> that <laughs> we're just fumbling around with and putting in some kind of order. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so I guess let's just, let's jump right into it because we're, this is going to be literally, you know, you know, and and as we've discovered in the last episode that our top sixes are going to be aside from three albums, uh, different. And that just makes this a much more interesting episode. I think so. And, um, so let's just, let's jump right into it with Mr. Eddie Sparks. This is, um, (laughs) number six Black Sabbath album. Cool. So my number six sixty six is uh, <laughs> Satan. <laughs> is uh, funnily enough a different number, which is volume four. <laughs> oh, okay. I had this much lower in mind. If you if you listen to the last episode, I did a little mini 
mini rant, I guess, about this album. But um, let's let's hear your thoughts. So my thing is, this one for me was a grower. This was mm-hmm. a grower album. I felt very much the same as you did when it when I first heard it. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is kind of a step away from what I liked about Master of Reality. Um, but over time, you know, when I've whenever I revisit it, I hear stuff and I'm like, oh, oh, I forgot that that riff I had stuck in my head for a while was from this song. Yeah. And in a way, it's kind of like a it's like a hidden gem album where I'll I'll think to myself, oh, volume four, but then I'll put it on and think, ah, Supernaut is on here. Yeah, <laughs> I almost feel like you could probably trace every good riff that happened after Black Sabbath could be traced back to some Black Sabbath riff. I just feel like Tony yeah. Iommi laid it all out, you know, like I, in the in the first like you know I'm, I'm gonna say first six albums. You know, I'm yeah. okay. I, you know, the, the Aussie era in general is classic to me, but the first six, like every album has at least one, if not more songs where you go, that fucking riff. Like it's, yeah. so it's like, it's almost just like he was just like, here, I'm laying out the tools for all of you future metal folk and uh, yeah. please use them wisely. Yeah, it's kind of like, okay, you guys take it and do it slower. You guys take it and do it faster. <laughs> And uh, you guys growl over it or something. I don't know. I'll wait a few years and see what happens with that. And, and um, then you and then you act like it's cosplay and and put some <laughs> fucking keyboards on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yeah, I, I got a funny story about this uh, this album. Okay. So um, Wheels of Confusion. I am convinced this song is cursed, and I'm going to tell you why. All right. The song is called Wheels of Confusion. And I had my first tire blowout to this song. Oh, wow. Like, like driving and my tire went. And I was like, I kind of like put an omen on myself when I put wheels of confusion on. Because yeah. I, I was there for a moment like, why, why, why all of a sudden has the handling gone a little bit? Oh, oh, my tire is fucking exploded. That's why. And uh, yeah, thankfully, I'm, I was quite close to like a, a lay-by. So it's weird. It's weird how that, that how that shit happens. Like I don't remember what was playing when my first blowout happened, but I remember when I got my first ticket when I was, I think I was eighteen, and I had not stopped completely when turning right on a red light, which you're supposed to stop completely, and right. I didn't. And I was literally on my street. Like I, the cop didn't have to pull me over. I had already pulled over in front of my house and then he just pulled up behind me and gave me a ticket. But I remember I was playing, there's a, there's a punk band that was around back in the nineties called sinkhole. And they have, yeah. and the, the song that was playing is called big time. And the chorus is just them, them going, I fucked up big time. And that's the, <laughs> and that's what was playing when I got pulled over. And I was just like, wow, that's really appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got another one as well. Um, while we're on the subject of that, I was um, taking my girlfriend for for a little bit of a a nice getaway. Went to mm-hmm. an Airbnb, uh, but she worked herself up into a little bit of a panic over um, whether or not she'd left the stove on. <laughs> and oh thankfully, shit, that's that's no joke, man. Yeah, thankfully we got about two miles down the road, and she and she said, "Hey, look, before we go any further." I'm really sorry. Can we turn back around? And I was like, I'm sure you turned it off. I think I'm pretty sure I watched her turn it off as well. Yeah. And the thing is, what what comes on 
the moment we had the entire like phone on shuffle. What song comes on? Alice Cooper's House of Fire. <laughs> House of Fire! And I, thought, I was, oh, was going to say Fire yeah. by Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's the thing. I We found the next roundabout and turned right the fuck around because I thought, nah, shit, I ain't messing with that now. Alice that's, Cooper's trying to tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Oh, yeah, volume four. Yeah. Yeah, I, we had so. we had a we had a divergence like so early on in the episode. That's that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't bode well for the for the listeners who want us to stay on topic. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've got a tangent quota at this point. We've got a little we're like cops where we have to meet a certain quota for the month. <laughs> I'm 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 okay with that. Yeah. Um so yeah, what do we got next? We've got tomorrow's dream. This album's production yeah. is a bit lighter than its predecessor, but it it fits a few of the songs on here to its credit. But I I do miss mm. the fuzziness of uh, Master of Reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, Changes is you know a nice piano ballad. It's one of those that I should be sick of, but I'm not. <laughs> nah, yeah, it sounds beautiful yeah. every time I hear it. Yeah, it, effects is. Literally effects. Super Note is an absolute tune. I also remember uh, playing guitar in a band for this song in college, which was fun. I think there's footage of that somewhere. I'll I'll dig it out. Oh, nice. Um, Snowblind is a cool, slow, heavy, dirgy one. Cornucopia released in 72 and still one of the heaviest riffs, opening riffs ever put to tape. Yeah. I, I went oh. back and listened to that again because you talked about it, and I was like, "Yeah, I, it just, it just, the the my my problem with this album is the fact that it that is such a fucking heavy, it's such a badass beginning to that song, and then it just goes into yeah. something that I go, ah, they could have done a little bit better in the writing of the next part of that song, but it's yeah. it is what it is. It's you know, it's it's still amazing shit, you know. Yeah, when it comes back around to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, absolutely, but. Yeah, you get Laguna Sunrise, which is a nice mystical instrumental. Which, which funny, funny enough, that was included on "We Sold Our Soul for Rock and Roll." It's like the wow. the greatest hits of or the best of Black Sabbath, and yet that one is on there. And I'm just like, who sequenced this fucking album? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, compilations are funny, man. Well, we should. We should do an episode about that at some point. But uh. all, all I know is that the thing that has always pissed me off about compilations, because if you buy a compilation that's a greatest hits compilation, it's because most of the time, because you you just want all of the good, all the best songs together in one thing. But what, is, yeah. what do most bands do? Oh, you remember this one classic song? Here's a shitty live version of it instead of the version that you're really wanting oh. to hear. And I'm just yeah. like, just, just don't do that. Put out a separate compilation of b-sides and live shit and and the fans you know will go buy it but there's so many bands that have done that and just like taking a classic song and i'm like you ruined the sequencing of this album because now all of a sudden (laughs) one random song is a live version it's like unnecessary but okay yeah yeah for sure um st vitus dance is it st vitus or st vitus vitus i mean i i only know that because there's there's a there's a bar a famous bar um, I believe it's in New York called St. Vitus. Ah, cool. And the band um, called St. Vitus. <laughs> I, th- I wonder if, the, I, I think St. Vitus is actually owned by one of the guys from the band St. Vitus. 
I might be wrong. I'm not a New Yorker. <laughs> I am, I've never even been to New York, so I'm just talking out of school. So feel free to correct me, people of the internet. And, you know, in a funny turn of events, I have been to New York, which is, which is weird because I'm not from America. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've barely traveled outside of my state. So, I mean, it's, Fair. it's never, never <laughs> been a, it's never really been a, uh, a desire of mine until recently. Like, like to be I, honestly, my wife and I have literally thrown around the idea of going to England now. Wow. And, and I'm just like, I'm just like, well, yeah, I know people there now. So it's like, you know, <laughs> I can go bother them. I mean, it's, it's something to do besides just go see the tower of London or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, where, 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 where was I at Billy? Um, uh, cornucopia was the last one, I believe. Oh no, I was up to some, uh, under the sun. I'm up okay. to now. All right. Uh, I had a meaty riff face on w- with this track. It's the production isn't the heaviest. Like this album probably possesses some of their heaviest riffs, mm-hmm. but production wise as a whole, it's not their heaviest album. Um, it's a very creative record and, you know, kind of the beginning of the experimentation they would refine on their later 70s stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, still, it still doesn't beat my top five. So that's, that's why it's coming in at number six, volume four. Sweet. <laughs> also, if anyone can actually hear it out there, I apologize. There is yard work being done next door. And so I'm just hearing weed whacking going on right now but i don't know how loud i don't know if it's being picked up by my microphone or not it's if it's if if it it. is it's barely but um anyway so yeah my number six so um so out of all out of my top six this is the only one that i'm perfectly fine with my placing um after this five through one um it's that you could just jiggle those around in a bowl and um, <laughs> grab one, and I'd be—I I guess I'd be fine. But my number six um, is the debut album, Black Sabbath, from 1970. Cool. And um, some people, I, I, I might put this as number one because of the just literally the historical significance and the weight of the the influence that this one album holds. And I absolutely agree with that. But um, ranking it with other Black Sabbath, it's to me it's there's there's cover songs, there's there's extended songs that don't really need to be extended that long. Cause, I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, in, in from what I've read, they they recorded it all in one day and it was just their live set. So I get that it, that makes sense that there's some jammy bits and a long solo from Tony Iommi with nothing, just his fucking guitar. So it makes sense because that would be a live performance. And so in that regards, it's pretty cool. But really, like once you get past like the song Black Sabbath and, you know, NIB, the rest of it's just good. It's, you know, it's not an amazing album, but it is, it's, 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 it's iconic status is what, you know, it's very, it's, it's deserving, you know, like there are some yeah. metal albums that I would argue people will say this is one of the best metal albums ever made, and I'll 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 you know scrunch my face up and be like, why? 
Because is it <laughs> is it is it important? Because a lot of people have said it's important. Because, but in this particular case, I don't think there's any arguments about the significance yeah. of Black Sabbath. And it, it was interesting too, because uh, when I decided to sit down and figure out where I was going to rank these last albums, or I guess the last half of them that I was doing, I was sitting out on my front porch. And literally, as I start playing Black Sabbath, it starts to rain. And I'm just oh, like, dude, wow, <laughs> this is a moment. <laughs> That's it's, awesome. Uh, yeah. So honestly, like this is a great album, but they did much, much better than this. And if, if we were just basing it on songs and not necessarily th- what the album accomplished this would be way down lower on my list, but Mm. I can't deny that it's just, you know, when an album is, is that important, um, you can't, I just can't overlook that, you know? And so Mm. I had to put it here at number six. It didn't make my top five, but it's just, you know, how, how many albums have the, the reach and the, the influence that this album has, like, I, I I can't think of many like you would be you literally would be waiting in a pool with like the Beatles and shit like that, you know, yeah. like stuff that has just influenced so many people. Um, but in my opinion, if you're going to talk about one album influencing people directly, there is one that I think is more significant. And that one comes later in my mm. uh, in my ranking. But number six is Black Sabbath. Cool. So, <laughs> so now we are in the definitive top, top five, five of our lists. Hell yeah. So my number five is Mob Rules. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that it's in the top five, so let's do it. It, it wasn't going to be any lower than top five. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, Turn Up the Night opens the same way the last album did with like an up-tempo burst of energy. The mm-hmm. last album being um, he- Heaven, and, Heaven Hell. and Hell. And yeah, I realized how I worded that wasn't exactly the uh, <laughs> the, the best way. But, the yeah. previous album from Black Sabbath, which was Heaven and Hell. The first with Dio, and now this is the second with Dio. It is indeed. It is... Um, Just for those of you yeah. at home that may not know. <laughs> Yeah, listening to a Black Sabbath podcast, not knowing who Black Sabbath are. <laughs> hey, you know what? Maybe some, maybe a random younger person stumbles upon this and says, hey, I, I want to learn about this metal stuff. Let me start by listening to these two blokes talk about uh, Black Sabbath. And so, you know, it's important. I feel That's it could true. be. They, this, this one here could be a helpful one because it'll, it'll point people to the good shit. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Turn Up the Night is... Again, one of those more new wave of British heavy metal kind of ones. Like, even in the guitar solo, it's very Maiden, like early Maiden kind of stuff. Which is is interesting because it's also produced by Martin Birch. And so he was producing Maiden. So, yeah, yeah, you can hear it there as well. But it's still done in a a Black Sabbath sludgy way. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. you know, these early 80s Dio albums are are something else. Um, Voodoo has, like, kind of a Judas Priest feel to it. There's a real badass swagger in this song, and Dio mm-hmm. sounds incredible. Um, 
sign of the Southern Cross. Oh, you know, yeah. My my riff boner shot through the <laughs> fucking wall when this one came on. I love this song. This is my favorite song on this album. Um, e fifty one fifty is a spooky interlude, as they like to do. Um, the Mob Rules it oh, just shit, rocks. Man. That so is a hard. that is a driving too fast song for me. Like it, mm. it's just it's one of the best. It's, it's a it's a limit breaker. Yeah, um, absolutely. Country girl, yeah. Ronnie James Dio is the only fucker in the world that can make these lyrics sound metal as fuck. Yeah, like, like the the riff is awesome, but we, you know, you think of any other singer singing "Fell in love with a country girl, morning sunshine." That sounds like '60s flower power lyrics, you know. And, yeah. But then have them sing it like this, and it's, it takes on a whole new, whole new vibe. Um, Slipping away, it's a cool rock and song. Oh, yeah. Um, falling off the edge of the world, big mm-hmm. epic epic song that just mm-hmm. goes through a slow beginning and then an up tempo intense second half. Over yep. and over is this awesome big ass ballad to close out on. I oh, yeah. I love, I love this album. It takes I, I would. Ev- I, I think over and over might not only have one of my favorite Ronnie James Dio vocal performances, but one of my favorite Tony Iommi solos close to close mm. to the end of that song. It is fucking, you feel it like it's so mm. good. Um, I think that's the, just a fabulous song and, and, and oh, album. hell yeah. Yeah. Like I, I love this album. It takes everything good about heaven and hell and takes it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it is kind of a shame, though, that it it wouldn't be long before things would happen behind the scenes and, you know, stuff would fall apart with with Dio and Sabbath. And the, the 80s yeah. were very turbulent. But, yeah. But clear, um, clearly, I, I, I feel like it's pretty clear that Dio needed to be in charge of what he was doing. Because yeah. he just he formed his own band and made more iconic metal. And so I feel like he's just one of those dudes that's like, you know, this is cool and all, but I want to call the shots. And um, yeah. and so he did. And, you know, the world's better for it, really. But, you know, that's, that's the interesting um, timeline lineup where Dio's making these albums that are pretty fucking badass. Ozzy, in my opinion, still making badass albums. And then Black Sabbath kind of floundering a little bit. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like these two singers are just going and being like, we don't need you. It's like a jump, a springboard. Like, thanks, Sabbath. Now we're moving on to greener pastures. And Iomi's just like, but I invented this shit. <laughs> anyway. Cool. So, yeah, that's that's my number five. Sweet. My That's not my number five. My, so this is one that, that just I, I just switched to number five. And I... D- like I said, I, this is five albums that it just might be a, a, a five number one albums in a row for me. This was so tough for me to to number these because I like I, I always say that I try to find that middle ground between my personal preferences and the 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 album, looking at it outwardly, like where it fits with their other stuff. And the quality of it, the recording, the songwriting, performances, all of these things, I try to I try to take them all um, 
under consideration and um, sometimes it gets really difficult. So my number five um, is Sabotage from uh, 1975. And I love, like from like these five albums to me are, are literally, there's, I have no complaints about my top five at all. There's no one thing that I go, that could have been done better. No, no, there's literally nothing in these five albums that I think could have been done better. Um, aside from maybe giving them all the mob rules production. I don't know. <laughs> That's really <laughs> it. Cause I love the production on that album, but sabotage sounds great. It's, it's like we said before, it's got those songs with those riffs that you go, ah, this is yeah. where that riff comes from. Like symptom of the universe. Um, yeah thanks thanks beavis um so uh but and then and then it's megalomania is like i that's the thing that i miss later on in their career because they didn't really continue the progressive style and putting those kind of songs next to just badass fucking riff filled rockers it makes for such a really interesting album and and a song like megalomania is just one of those things where i go i wish they did more shit like this but i mean right after this they abandon all of it and do mm. i guess technical ecstasy has a little bit of progression on it but it seems more clunky like it's not really yeah. as well executed and Sabotage is just, um, it, it comes in at number five for me because I believe that they kind of mastered this Sabbath era on Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. And then Sabotage was not entirely different from Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, although it's got some different elements that I like. I really like how the song radio am i going insane you know where that fits in on the album and how that it's such a different sounding song from anything that i think that they had really done prior or really done since and just all of those things together because it's just you know i love bands and albums that find a way to to give me all these different moods in one album without feeling like all of a sudden they're a different band or, Mm. you know, or they're completely switching gears. And, um, unfortunately I think there's really only two Sabbath albums that are like that where, you know, they, they, they really sort of, I guess whatever influences were influencing or whatever drugs were influencing them, whatever it might be, (laughs) they were just letting it all happen. And they just, just, it just so happened that they were working together in a way even if they weren't getting along musically, everything was coming up roses. I, I guess you would say. And, um, so I, yeah, I just think this is a really killer album, but the, the other, the other four just carry so much fucking weight with me that like, I, I finally just went, all right, this is, this has to go at number five, but it's still one of my favorites. And that uh, is a sabotage for me. Awesome, yeah. It, it's one of those, it's one of those other ones that kind of grew on me as well. Because ever since you know listening back to it, I, I feel as though I could maybe even bump it up to 
sixth or even fifth place in this ranking, but I've, I've yeah. kind of, yeah, it's kind of in place now. So I'm just, I'm rolling with it. But it gets, it, it gets a little more love today than it used to. But I remember for a long time, it was an album that people would say wasn't very good. And I'm, I'm just like, how, why? I don't, I, you know, I don't get it, but fortunately that seems to be an opinion that's kind of gone away. And now everyone, you know, you see those fucking shirts that say, I only trust myself in the first six black Sabbath albums, you know, those shirts. (laughs) And, um, anyway, and I, and I, and I, it take, it takes everything in me because, you know, (laughs) I am a very, I'm, I'm a very, I'm an open-minded and I'm a, I'm very fair, but I, sometimes that, that dickhead metalhead thing comes out of me where I see somebody wearing that (laughs) shirt and I go, you probably don't even know any of the songs off of sabotage take that fucking shirt off (laughs) because it's always like it's always worn by somebody that i'm all like "Ah, have you heard anything else besides paranoid really (laughs) and then you bought a shirt because you have enough money from your job at the coffee shop i get it man (laughs) sorry that was Uh very very (laughs) uh, elitist stevens coming out Get back in your cage. <laughs> but you know what? But I'm only human. And so I, 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 I will always admit that I do have those thoughts in my head, but I, I'm smart yeah. enough and a good enough person that they stop there. They, I, yeah. I, I let them out here because this is a safe space, right? Nobody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's because everyone has shitty thoughts. It's what you do with them that makes you the person that you are. And I yeah. feel like I'm the kind of person that I would n- I would never walk up to a person and go name three songs because <laughs> that is the one of the most douche baggiest. You might as well just go up and grab the girl's ass if you, if you're going to ask yeah. her to name three songs because you're being a piece of shit. And who cares? <laughs> who cares? Exactly. Honestly, the yeah. o- I guess my, my only gripe is that Black Sabbath doesn't get any money from those T-shirts. So if it, if it was an actual Black Sabbath shirt and I knew that they got the money, I'd be like, cool. Do you, you, oh, you only know War Pigs? Cool. I don't care. They got some money from you. Yeah. But, uh, you, you, Sorry. Yeah. Another, yeah. another, another, yeah. another <laughs> side conversation. <laughs> Not really side because I was still talking about Sabbath, but you know. Yeah. We're, we're still in it. We're All still right, in cool. the zone. We're, we're, we're down <laughs> to uh, number... We're, are we already on number four? Yeah. Wow, man. Okay. <laughs> wow, man. This shit just kicked in, I think. Bro. Dude. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. What is your number four Black Sabbath album? Well, it's funny that you said you're only human because my number four is Dehumanizer. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I forgot that you, had, that you hadn't talked about this one yet. Sweet. Yep. Dehumanizer is my favorite Dio Sabbath album. It's a fucking it may, killer. That's, that's the thing. It may seem like sacrilege to put it above Mob Rules and Heaven and Hell, but there's just something about this album that's heavier, too. So you get Dio Sabbath and it's heavier. And for me, like, for, for some reason, 1992 is just a money shot year for everything. <laughs> and it's like, I can pick any band's album from 1992, and it is 99.99% for me going to be good. So Dehumanizer is no exception. So let's, let's get to it. Um, Computer God fuck yeah to that groove. Dio sounding his badass self as always. After all, the dead. 
slow, epic uh, doomy one. I, I love the the groove on this album is something else. TV crime, you know, is oh, yeah. that yeah up tempo rocker badass song. I think it's it's important to note as well. They didn't open this album with a fast one yeah, like they did yeah. with the other two, which kind of I would imagine when they sequenced the, sequenced this album, they were paying attention to um, maybe not copying the whole grunge thing, but thinking people like groove right now, and let's jump back to that maybe to start it off and then let maybe. it pick up the pace I think later on. When they when they were recording this album, the grunge thing hadn't kicked in yet. So I mean they I don't think that would have been a thing. But maybe maybe the alternative rock yeah. you know stuff that was going on at the time. But um yeah, or, or or who or who knows? Maybe Tony Iommi was so was so, you know, in tune with what was going on musically. He had already he was already into Soundgarden and and he had already heard Bleach. You know, he was yeah. He was he was ahead of the curve. You never know. J- jumping back to another like slow grooving one. You got letters from Earth. You know mm-hmm. it's that's a nice chuggy one with a nasty sleazy riff in the middle. Master of Insanity is a cool song. Cool chorus in it. Time Machine. Love this song, especially mm-hmm. the the Wayne's World two version with the uh, no. Wayne, have you no, seen no, this just, boy? Just, oh, just Wayne's World. Just Wayne's World. Oh yes. Yeah. Wow, Wayne's World, but. It was the Terminator 2 scene. There that's you where go. I got, that's where I got jumbled up there. I, I, I'm sorry, guys. Continuity, continuity error there. Um, the, the the difference. <laughs> on, do you do you agree with me on this? The the it's so it's kind of depressing how the soundtrack to Wayne's World is has so much good shit on it, and then the soundtrack to Wayne's World 2 is just like they just turned on a a, a classic rock radio station and let it play on the soundtrack. It's like yeah, it's, I, I feel as though. Yeah, I feel as though by the time 1994 had rolled around, you know, 1990, because the, the, the first Wayne's World was 92, right? 92. 90. I think Wayne's World 2 was 93. I think it was the yeah. following year that it came out. So when they would have been making, you know, Wayne's World 1, hair metal was still cool to like. And then all of a sudden they make the second one in a world where all the record labels are just culling the hair bands left, right, and center, and they're like, ah, oh, shit, we've got to stay somewhat culturally relevant. Let's hop it back to the 70s and do a more, you know, Aerosmithy kind of Well, I mean, vibe. well, it's it's interesting yeah. because they, they could have moved forward with, uh, this is not Black Sabbath related again, but they could have moved into more of the lesser-known sort of like grunge band stuff because on I believe on the first one True. they've got like, what's that group? Is it Rhino Bucket? Rhino Bucket wasn't yep. a hair band, and they weren't really grunge, but they had that kind of I don't know Jackal or one of those bands kind of things going on. So they they, yeah. they could have. It's it's almost like they just the movie was being made, and it was everything was rushed because even the writing in that movie isn't as good as the first one. So I almost feel yeah. like they just didn't want to take the time, and they're just like, ah, what are some popular '70s songs that would sound good on a soundtrack? Cool, let's throw it out there, and then that's that's what you get, and it's kind of depressing but i still like that movie it's still got enough classic moments it's grown on me i i I saw it when i saw it in the theater i wasn't super impressed i was really just like because because some of the jokes don't land the way that they should (laughs) (laughs) but once you get used to that awkwardness in some of it then you go all right it actually does have a little bit of charm to it (laughs) the the best thing about wayne's world 2 
much like uh, Toto's Kingdom of Desire is it gets me laid. <laughs> my my girlfriend has a crush Because you do on your Del Preston, Preston impression yeah. and she wants yeah. to have sex with you after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were looking for 50,000 brown M&Ms to fill a brandy glass or Rossi wouldn't go on stage that <laughs> night. <laughs> um, Listen so yeah, here, back, back around. Sleep, sleeping like this can add 10 years to your life. Is he's lighting Starts up the cigarette? cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> I learned it from Keith Richards when I toured with, with the Stones. With the Stones. <laughs> it's not a very. I can't do the accent very well. And then what, my what's, favorite what's, joke from that scene is the one where he goes, "Me, my old lady, and the road." Oh, who's the old lady? That's my that's old my lady. Old lady. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, one of my favorite lines is. Um, to the left and right of the stage are the machine gun nests. Now, these are M- M60 Brownings, so they heat up. So fire in three-second bursts. <laughs> when did you turn into a nut bar? <laughs> that's one of those jokes that doesn't land. It's like, yeah. that's the way they ended the scene. It's like they didn't have a line. They're like, Dana, Dana, just say something at the end of the scene. Okay. And then that's the way the scene came out. Anyway, that was a... Let's 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 pull the car back into the <laughs> to the lane of uh, of Sabbath. I apologize, but you know we did we had to make a pit stop over at Wayne's World as we do quite often. Wayne's World, Wayne's World, <laughs> party time! Excellent. Oh, I thought you were gonna join me on the rings. Oh, I'm sorry. I was uh, I, I was en- I was enjoying <laughs> you so much doing it that I just you know I was watching. We, we, gotta, we, we gotta do the rings, man. Okay. All right. Do do, do, do it one one more time. All right. Party on, Wayne. Party on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So, so yeah, back back to dehumanizer. So, where was I? Oh, Uh, yeah. Sins of the Father. (laughs) Right. Here's my note for Sins of the Father. Someone's been listening to Bad Motorfinger. Because the intro to Sins of the Father has serious Soundgarden vibes. Which which one is it? Is it Searching with My Good Eye Closed? Uh, that seems correct. Yeah, they would they would not yeah. have heard that album unless they got some sort of crazy advanced copy. Because that was ninety two also. Because it just sounds so insanely close. Just well, also Soundgarden. Like Soundgarden. Soundgarden loved Sabbath, so it makes. Sense, you know, l- like minds creating similar things. Yeah. Uh, I starts off kind of 70s-ish, but becomes another awesome Dio Sabbath track on here. Mm. Buried Alive. This is ridiculously heavy. Such a crushing song. Great closer. Um, def- depending on how you define heavy, this is likely the heaviest of all their records, in my opinion. I mean, it's a it's a fucking heavy album, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Dehumanizer number four. So so, so somebody in the comments like wanted to know our thoughts on um, the devil, you know, by heaven and hell, and like where we would put it if we did put it in the ranking. Honestly, it wouldn't be very high for me. I um, haven't heard it in its entirety. I've just oh, heard snippets. Okay. What what I've heard is is cool, but. Yeah, yeah it's 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 it a it's go. a fine album. It's just uh, it's good to hear that that combination of musicians playing together. But um, I honestly I haven't listened to it in several years, 
And it was just because when it, I think when it came out, there was a, there was a hype behind it because it was the Mob Rules lineup, but it didn't deliver in the Mob Rules way or even the dehumanizer way. And so, yeah. um, yeah, at that, at that, at that point, you know, from what I read, the reason why they decided to call it heaven and hell and not Black Sabbath was because they didn't want to have to go out and play other Black Sabbath songs. Mm. Um, and so, you know, they could just, they could tour on that album and just play Dio era stuff and nobody would be bummed out about it. Whether that's true or not, you know, that's just what you, sometimes you read things on the internet and you don't know. But, um, but I feel like it just, it, it, the, the fact that they chose that name and just the album itself, I'm just like, yeah, it's not as exciting as I would like it to be, but it's, it's good. But I, you know, it wouldn't be in this episode for, for damn sure. So I'm just mentioning it cause we were, we're on, we're talking about Dio. Cool. But, um, but then we're moving on to my number four, um, which is another monumental achievement in, in metal. And, um, but it, and it, it, to some people, this may be sacrilegious just having it at number four. Um, my number four is Paranoid from 1970, the second of two albums made in 1970 by Black Sabbath. And honestly, like, it was, it, it came out seven months after the Black yeah. Sabbath album came out. And the, the growth of the band between that album and this album is fucking huge. Yeah. And because literally they've, like I said, we're in unfuckwithable territory now. So they went from making an album where I go, all right, there's things about it that could have been better. And then they made an album where I, there's no way to improve this, in my opinion. It's just classic after classic. And um, yeah, it's just, I almost feel like it's, it's, it's talked about so much that. You know, everybody knows War Pigs. Everybody knows Paranoid. You know, um, a lot of people know Planet Caravan, especially once once Pantera covered it. Yeah. And, um, but it's just got so many fucking amazing songs and um, has one of my favorite Black Sabbath songs, which is Fairies Wear Boots. And it's mm. just because that the... It, so it... It, just the overall vibe of that song, it's just one of those, you crank that shit up and it just feels so good. And I, I said this on another episode that it's got my one of my favorite moments. Ozzy, Ozzy often did the all right nows in a lot of songs, but just him doing the all right now, like just the way that sounds, it just, it just gets my blood going. And it's just, uh, it's a fucking amazing song. It's an amazing album. This is, this is the point where I'm like, I'm just talking about shit that that hundreds, thousands of other dudes have already talked about on their <laughs> podcast or their YouTube channel or their blog. They've already talked about how Paranoid is an amazing album, and it truly yeah. is. And it's there. I mean, it's the beginning of them because, like every band, like you know, like every band's got that thing where even if you put out a an unfuckwithable first album. Your second album tells everybody who you truly are, I believe. Yeah. You know? And the fact that they put out an album that it's good, but then they follow it up with this, it it's like 
in the story of Black Sabbath, it's just within seven months they come out and go, oh, oh, by, no, no, just forget about that other thing that you heard. Here's the real shit right here. And mm. it's just it's just fucking amazing. Like, it's just one of those albums that I, I don't you I don't understand any argument against its classic status. I don't think I've ever heard an argument against its classic status because it's that kind of an album. The only legitimate reason I can think of is overplay. And even then that is because of its, um, staples. Yeah. Songs, you know, but that, but the thing that I think a lot of people miss out on, is that things become overplayed because people want to hear them. Like, yeah, like yeah. that's the thing is that, you know, you, you always hear these arguments about bands that, you know, were on major record labels or had some sort of backing where they were being pushed out with a whole shitload of money in front of people and maybe they paid for radio play or they paid for MTV airplay or whatever it is. At the end of the day, all that does is get the song in front of people. But if it's not yeah. good enough... It's not going to survive. And, and so that's why you look at albums like people say, like, you know, Metallica. Here we go. Metallica brought into the episode. Boom. As usual. Um, Get your bingo cards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Enter Sandman. That song, you could say it's overplayed and I'd be like, hell yeah, it is. But it's overplayed because people still love hearing it. If it became yeah. the sort of thing where people were switching things off, and, you know, or you know, or their, the music video on YouTube was no longer getting any hits. It would just, you know, it would, it would peter out like a lot of things did, but some mm. things survive because people still want to hear it. And, and that, to me, that is the mark of a- actual classic music because it doesn't, it doesn't die. Like, mm. like it's crazy. Yeah. Some of this stuff that doesn't die, the, the, taking, taking us away also, once again, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there, there is a, I don't know what it is, but there is a new, I don't know if it's new. There is a really large presence now that I'm, now that I'm, I've dipped my toe into the world of TikTok. There is a large presence of young people who love Nirvana. Yeah. And yeah, that's a, that is amazing to me because I'm like, it's like their music literally just stays afloat on top of the. I guess maybe it's because Kurt Cobain died young and his music does have a very um, youthful aggression and, and passion to it. I think, yeah, it just it, it's one of those cases where um, something is so relatable for so many people, it just remains culturally relevant and, and that's, for decades. And that, yeah. that really got me thinking because I'm all like, man, is this just a, a thing that being a, a young teenager never really changes, even if technology and music and popular music changes. Like, is it like, that's a phenomenon that I, that is fascinating to me because where we're living right now, we're, we're experiencing that, but in the fucking 1800s or whatever, you know, I, I, I don't, I know, I know fuck all about classical music, so I don't know when it was happening, <laughs> but there were teenagers who I'm pretty sure were listening to Beethoven or Mozart or whatever, but you don't see teenagers going like, oh, fuck, Beethoven's fifth, man. It just says everything that I'm <laughs> feeling. So that so it's just so interesting that we 
well, you, you were born late, but I got to live in this world where this music was made. And I guess some of it was obviously made before I was born. Cause you're talking about the Beatles as well. That's it's literally lasted and conti- continues to be relevant because like I said, they can yeah. continue to repackage and re release different versions of Beatles albums. But if there wasn't a demand, then they would stop doing it. So it's just the fact yeah. that I just love the fact that this music is living on in this way. And, and I see these young kids and they're just like Kurt Cobain. It, it was a genius. And I'm like, I mean, he, I don't think he was a genius, but I think that he, tapped into something and that is an amazing quality. And so bringing it back around to black Sabbath, you, you hear, I'm tired of hearing war pigs, but I don't, I listen to that song and I go, this song's a motherfucker. And there's a reason why it still get played. It gets played on classic, like, like uh, classic rock radio here in the States, because like, even if you're tired of hearing it, if you're at a fucking backyard barbecue having a few beers and War Pigs comes on, everyone's just like, "Oh, fuck yeah!" yeah. <laughs> e- even though, even though, if you're just sitting at home, you might go, "I've heard this song a lot. I'm gonna skip it." And so, like, Paranoid has like so many of those tracks that have just lived on in this way that's like so amazing. But I. It, it to me it's not the best album that they did it's not even in the top three for me because i really do think that they as an album they did three better <laughs> than this <Yeah>. one <laughs> but it, but but you but you can't pass by paranoid without talking about that just the shit that lives on and yeah i hope that when we're gone this shit can conti- i hope that it's that kind of music where it doesn't matter that it was made 200 years ago. People are still going to say like, you know, paranoid, what a fucking great song that is. Like I, I hope, yeah, I hope, you know, you know, these podcasts, maybe they'll, maybe they'll actually just stay in the land of, of podcasts forever. And maybe, maybe somebody in the year 3021 is (laughs) listening to this and listening to these, and like, first off, why do they talk so weird? Did they used to? Why? Why do they not talk in bleep bloops like we do now? Um, but anyway, I, or or not, I don't know. But um, or the fucking Earth has been destroyed because of global warming. I don't know. But if somebody's there in the future listening to this, it's like it, it makes me. It makes me. You know, I, I wish that they could contact me in the afterlife and be like, just let me know. Did, did this shit live on? Is it still relevant? Any of it? Because. I like. I'm going to believe that it will be, especially albums like Paranoid. Uh, that now that I've been very long winded with my number four. <laughs> uh, well, it, that's fine because it's it's also my number three. So that's a perfect segue. Nice. I love yep. it. So yeah, uh, War Pigs. I love it. Uh, this is a song I'm not sick of, um, and I, even though I have played it in a couple bands, I've been in. Paranoid, I've played in every band I've ever been in, ever. Uh, <laughs> That's a really good Wait. riff to learn when you first learn guitar. Yeah. Just that... It's easy enough to master, and it also gives your fingers a little bit of a workout. It's mm. a good, it's For beginner guitar players, go learn... Actually, just go learn every song on Paranoid, because it'll, it, it'll, it'll get you on your way. Yeah, for sure. Um, Planet Caravan. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm realizing... I, I realized at the time I was writing this that so many Black Sabbath songs 
have a cover that I also love. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the Pantera one. Well, so far, like, so far, we've got covers for all of them that you can hear out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It like, but the thing is, I I love this version because it's so muted and quiet. Yes, and, yeah, and absolutely vibey. And then Pantera's is a bit more psychedelic. Um, Iron Man. One it Iron I Man didn't even I didn't of, even mention Iron Man. Holy shit, yeah. dude! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. I, this was one of the band songs that you weren't allowed to play in the first year of college because it was like, no, that's a cop out. Everybody knows Iron Man. Yeah, Lear, learn something else. Mainly because the tech, uh, the technicians down the hall were just sick of hearing the same riffs. Yeah, that's that's, what, a, that's also one was, of those examples of Ozzy. Ozzy didn't do it all the time, but he did those songs where he just sang along with the riff. Yeah, he didn't yeah. do it a lot, but he did it like you know. Obviously, uh, he did in, it a lot in, more early in, on. Nib, yeah. Nib. He sings along with the riff. This song, he sings along with the riff, which it's it's to me, it's kind of lazy. But at this point, there's these songs are just fucking classics. I'm like, yeah, that's how the vocals are supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. Plus, like, I can't envision any other vocal melody over the top of that riff. Um, I'm sure Dio could have come up with something pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. Has he lost his mind? There's something like that. I, fuck, I don't awesome. know. It would have been powerful. That's for sure. And he'd definitely have thrown in a rah right in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, electric Funeral. Uh, doom Metal. Yeah, anyone? Yeah. I, f- I feel like... In spirit, this is the first really doomy one that they did. Yeah, you know, that's, that's that, that wow, song wow, for sure. Wow, yeah, wow, 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 wow. like that one's super. He also down sings and over and the heavy. riff on that one too, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, Hand of Doom comes right after. Yeah. Uh, so this is a cool song as well. Ozzy sounds real good on this one. Some serious grit in his delivery. Um, Rat Salad is mostly a drum solo with some riffs, but we don't get a lot of drum solos on albums anymore. No, but it that that's the that's the thing I love about these um, you know late sixties, early seventies hard rock albums is that you very often get like one track where it's dedicated to let the drummer go fucking wacko mode for like two minutes. Yeah, it's probably um, it's probably because these days if they did that, it would be so obvious that the drums were programmed. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Out here firing some shots, people. Uh, and then um just to just to bring up bring up the misses again because she's such a Sabbath fan. Fairies Wear Boots is her favorite song. Uh that's a great and, song, man. Yeah. And it's and it, I remember the first time I heard it because I I'd been listening to Metallica long before I'd been listening to um Black Sabbath. And then when I heard the like part, I was like, "That's fucking, that's for whom the bell tolls, dude. That's cool." Oh yeah, you could. Yeah, I guess I could see the the connection there. Yeah, you're right. Also, I love the lyrics to that song because the lyrics to the song are essentially like, "Here's a thing that happened to me," and then the doctor's like, "You're on drugs, motherfucker." Oh, dude. That's the song in a nutshell. Yeah, like for, for many, you know, so, and including myself sometimes, like this album does have the overplay syndrome. Sure. So I'm I'm much more likely to pick up other 
Sabbath albums at this point, but I'd be lying if I said that in my early Metalhead days, I didn't play this constantly. Because when you first come to it, it doesn't have that overplay quality until you hear every band you like cover every yeah. song from it. And yeah. then you start to think, okay, maybe I, maybe there's more to this band than this one album. Maybe there's uh, 18 more I should check out. Um, but yeah. So yeah, that's my, that's my number three, Paranoid. Sweet, man. So man, we're already down to my number three. Okay, so now we're... My number three is my favorite Black Sabbath album. Wow. And, um, okay. Now, and then, and I had to be fair because I can't just put it at number one because it's my favorite because that's I've made a promise to myself that that's not how I'm doing my rankings. But if somebody comes to me and says, "Please play a Black Sabbath album. Pick anyone you want." This is the album that I am always going to choose. Uh, my number three is Sabbath Bloody Sabbath from 1973. Hey. I this album is. Like I said before, when I talked about sabotage, like I like this era of Sabbath where they got proggy and experimental and really branched out what they were trying to do. And clearly they were hanging out with progressive musicians and all of this shit. Um, and, 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 you know, there's, there's one of them on the album, but you know, just, this is such even like even though like I feel like volume four was kind of like a stepping stone from Master of Reality to Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, um this album to me is even even taking volume four out of the picture, th- the the songwriting and every everything on Sabbath Bloody Sabbath to me is better than Master even Master of Reality, which is a f- fucking phenomenal album. But it's only because I like the fact that this one just feels very open. Like they, yeah. they, it's almost like they were, they were saying to everybody, we don't have any boundaries. Eventually it turned out they did have boundaries, but this album gives that feeling to me of they could have been this band that did whatever they wanted, you know, you know, fucked with any kind of music, you know, and, and incorporated it. But, um, yeah. You got songs like Sabracadabra, which Sabracadabra might be my favorite Black Sabbath song. It's not. It may be my number two. I think it's my number two. But I still a bitch in riff though. It's, well, there's that, and then and then there's the middle part I talked about before with the lovely lady. It's like that's the sexiest Sabbath ever gets. That part yeah. of the song and the and the keys on that part sound fucking tasty. Um, and Ozzy's voice might be the best on this album that it ever sounded. Um, he sounds great here. I, I mean, yeah. he sounds great on a lot of his solo stuff too. I'll give him that, but he sounds amazing here. And then, and then you've got the real sort of adventurous sides, like "Who Are You," which is like I love how weird that song is, and it's yeah. it's honestly one of my favorites on the album because like sometimes that's a thing that I think a lot of bands have forgotten about put an odd song on your album that doesn't necessarily like the mood of the song is the point, I guess, you know? And Mm. I just love, I just love every moment of this album. And it just gives me all these different flavors all done amazingly well, all still sounding like Sabbath. I didn't even mention the song Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, which is an absolute classic covered by anthrax and who knows how many fucking other (laughs) bands. But, um, 
to me, this one, even though it doesn't, you know, have the same weight, his, historically speaking, that like Paranoid and Black Sabbath have, but this one is just, it just feels like they were a band at this point that, that nobody could stop them. Like they just seemed like they, everything that they did, it was just like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're whatever, we're, whatever, whatever we decide to do, we're going to nail it. And that's yeah. why I love Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. It's just a, as an album, it's just the most pleasing Black Sabbath album for me. Um, I don't really know what else to add. It's a, it's a fucking classic. It could be. No, I think it's probably my second favorite Black Sabbath album cover. Um, I like it. It's yeah, weird. It's, it's, it's very weird, but it's dark. It's one of those. Yeah. It's, it's one of those ones where the image is kind of like distorted. So you kind of have to really get in there and, yeah. and look at what's happening because the colors completely threw me off. And then like, I, I remember thinking for a while, oh, that's just some, some kind of demon creature. And then like, <laughs> yeah. not, not taking any more notice. And then I, you look further and it's, it's a dude on a bed that's being tormented by demons and shit. And yeah. the fucking bedposts say 666. Yeah, it's, like, it's got a lot going on. And I, and I love the fact yeah. that it, sure, it's very sort of like on the nose metal album cover. But I feel like it's done in a way... Where, like you, like you, like you said, you don't see it all just glancing at the album cover, you know. Yeah. Whereas, like Black Sabbath, it's like, what is this? Oh, creepy person standing in 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 field or whatever, not field, but you know what I mean, in front yeah. of the house. It doesn't. It doesn't really like. There's not a lot that you get out of it in repeated viewings. But I just, I just love this album cover and this album. Plus, at, it's my number three. At at the time, like artwork like this wasn't commonplace too so it makes it like no. that much scarier um because i'm i'm looking at it now and i'm thinking that's actually really fucking sinister could, like could it could this be like the beginning of like you know metal artwork being more of a big deal because like before yeah, this because like all really three of the previous metal. albums there's not much going on in the album covers and then you think of other bands at the time like i guess judas priest had a little bit of that I said Judas didn't Priest happen till, again, didn't I? <laughs> but that that didn't even happen till um, what, like seventy six with Sab Wings of Destiny. I guess you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is seventy three. So yeah, no. So maybe this was it, where like people were like, "Oh, you could do that with your album covers." Even the back cover yeah. I'm looking at, that's like, oh yeah, got sleeping lions and stuff on the. Dude, this is badass! I can't believe I yeah. forgot about this. Yeah, God. it's it. I feel like it fits the album perfectly with all the things happening, and it's just I don't know. It's just it, it's an amazing album, and it's my number three. But it's in my heart, it's number one. Cool. So my number my number two is now that I, I want to preface this <laughs> saying I, this this is the biggest jump I think between any of our albums on our lists. I I think I have a feeling. Okay, I think I know what's left for you. Okay. Yeah, you had this in the bottom episode. I got it in the top episode. Oh, okay. I've I've gone for Headless Cross number two. All right. Yeah. So I, I'm not mad at this at all. It's 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 our it's our top our top six, and we managed to get Ozzy Dio and Tony Martin in the episode. So um, I think we're pretty awesome when it comes to that. Hell yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, yeah, without further ado, Gates of Hell is a badass, spooky atmosphere intro. Mm -hmm. Always bodes well on an 80s metal album. And then you get Headless Cross, title track. Such an awesome, powerful song. Tony Martin's vocals are awesome. It has, like, this... And I want to say this in, like, a non-corny way, but it has, like, a heavy metal Disney villain vibe, and I fucking <laughs> adore it. Like, you, you know how, like, Disney movies will have, like, an unnecessarily badass villain song? You know, yeah. like Be Prepared from Lion King or, or Hellfire from fucking Hunchback of Notre Dame? I don't, I don't, this, I don't know either one of those songs, but okay. Damn, like those scene, <laughs> those scenes in those movies, I think to myself, this would work so well as a metal out metal song. Um, you know, I I just even the video for it, it it is quite goofy, but I can't help but feel goosebumps when I hear the song with it because I'm like, this is some serious seriously cool stuff. Yeah, uh, Devil and Devil and Daughter has a really cool classic rock shuffle beat underneath you know, some serious metal riffage, uh, not to mention like the generous amount of synth on it as well. Uh, when death calls is huge. This album is super powerful in all aspects, mm -hmm. the guitars, rhythm section, keyboards, Tony Martin's soaring vocals are a match made in heaven on this album. Um, also this song is notable for the Brian May guitar solo. Good old, good old Brian May. Good, good old Brian May with one of the most killer fucking curly hairdos out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, killing the spirit world. Now that's what I call an 80s chord sequence. Um, <laughs> Just, you said that and I saw one of those. Now that's what I call music. That, that's <laughs> what I was going for. Yeah. Album covers. <laughs> yeah. Um, call of the Wild. Same goes for that one. Black Moon is groovy and epic. Nightwing. The, has chorus, chorus fretless bass in the intro, which is always a win. Um, and yeah, Black Sabbath really hit it out of the park with this one. And it's a fucking travesty that it didn't sell due to factors out of their control. Hell Late yeah. When I, record, when I was a kid, I told, I think I said it, I bought it out of a, out of a discount bin, a cutout bin yeah. <laughs> in like 1990. One maybe I bought it was just it was just in the bin and I went oh cool this is only three dollars I'll get this <laughs> yeah like record labels really shit the bed around this time and uh, yeah it's a shame because this album is really really good hell it's in my top two, two yeah you know of my of Black Sabbath albums solely based on just how much I fucking love them doing this sound with songs that justify it. Yeah. And and that's uh that's why Headless Cross is my number 2. Sweet, man. I I that's I can't argue with any of that. I think that's a great album and and honestly like going back after doing my ranking, you know, cuz I put obviously put Cross Purposes above above it, but I'm just like they're both really strong albums. Even Tear, yeah. like, they're all such good albums that just get overlooked and um it's just it's a shame so if, if we do any good with these episodes hopefully we get more people to go out and listen to the tony martin era, era albums but honestly a few of them aren't even on apple music i don't know if they're on spotify they're, they're not on streaming services no that doesn't make I, any I don't sense know if it, 
I don't know if it's like some kind of uh, record label stuff because they they were with like a different label. I I don't know the ins and outs of of all of it, but it's... yeah, there's there's no apart from Eternal Idol, which is unfortunate because it's one of the lesser Tony Martin albums. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, they go. They they need to do something about that. In fact, I think that they that it's we're hot. We're 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 past due for some like vinyl reissues. Yeah, of I agree. Tony Martin era albums. Because um, I wanted to buy physical copies of Headless Cross, and I looked up, and the prices are are oh, fucking yeah. mental. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny that I bought it on cassette for three bucks back in the day, and now a cassette of that's yeah. probably going for you know fifty bucks maybe. Hell, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, so I, I'm gonna before I give my number two, I'm just gonna say I love how this has worked out. I feel like this episode is ended absolutely perfectly, um, and um, I'll get into my number two, and you'll see why. Um, because cool. you, you, your number two, Headless Cross, Tony Martin. My number two, Mob Rules from 1981, nice. uh, Ronnie James Dio. So we get in our in the in the in the top two, we get we're getting all three vocalists, and I I love I love this. Um, so Mob Rules to me, it's my favorite Dio Sabbath album. Production-wise, it's my favorite sounding Sabbath album. I love the production on this album. It's, it's one great, of those ones that, you know, some albums, like, you you want to crank it up loud, but it gets to a point where you go, ah, this is a little bit too much. This is one yeah. where it just feels so good the louder it gets. It's just like... Turn it up and rip the knob off. Yeah, it's like, how did they manage to do that? It just sounds amazing. And um, once again, we talked about it before. It's got, I mean, it's Martin Birch producing and Vinny Apice on drums. You know, it's, it, this is the, you know, when it... The, this combination of musicians is just, it's fucking great. It sounds really good. There's a thing about the certain drummers do, and Vinny Apice is one of them where they, it's almost like they play a little bit behind the beat. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it, for so, something about it feels so good. And, it's like the, the, the inflections, especially on his snare drum work, it's like he'll do a fill that almost doesn't make it. So, but... Yeah, yeah. And, it, yeah. He, and, and I don't... I'm trying to remember... Because I'm not going to Google it right now because it's not important, but if there's a similar quality. It is Vinny Apice the drummer that plays on Ace Fraley's first solo album? Because they look. both... They both... Those are both albums, Mob Rules and the Ace Fraley solo album are both ones where the drums are so great to me because they have this... It's a quality that, like, today, you would rarely ever hear on an album because everything would yeah. be would be tempo-corrected to be, you know, right on the beat or, or, or they're playing to a click track or whatever. And it's like... And maybe they did play to a click track and they just that's just their style, but I, I just love the way it sounds. Who's Did you figure it out? Who's the drummer on Ace Fraley? Uh, the 1978 one. Yeah. Um, Anton Fig. Ah, another fucking great drummer. So they're, yeah. so they're very similar in their approaches to drumming. And I, I love that. Like I, you know, I'll talk all day about how Neil Peart is the best drummer ever, but there's something about your drummers that aren't technically so perfect 
and yeah. have their little. I would even throw. I would even throw like Dave Grohl in that in that camp as drummers that. Dave Grohl's not an amazing drummer, but he's got like a style that feels good when you hear him playing drums. And Vinny Apice is like that, especially on Mob Rules. And Mob Rules is a, a it's it's literally they just put the label all killer no filler on Mob Rules, and that is like that is all it is. It's just badass song after badass song. Everyone is in top form, um, and I love I just love the fact that they it's not very different from heaven and hell but it's just way better <laughs> in my opinion <laughs> it's the it's like the difference between black sabbath and paranoid and then you get heaven and hell and mob rules and mob rules is just a fucking fantastic album but we we already talked about it and so i don't really need to say much more about it but it is like it's just one of those ones that I feel like everything is so perfect on this album. And, yeah. um, yeah, it's just, an, it's an amazing record and it's, it's, it's just a band completely nailing it. And then unfortunately things didn't work out. It's re- it's, it's so fascinating to me because you talked about dehumanizer on, and, and mob rules and there's both albums that you read about it and like, they didn't all have a great time making those albums. And, yeah. and and they would look back on them, especially Dehumanizer, and say, like, oh, that was a that was a pain in the ass. But yeah. if this is what comes out of it being a pain in the ass, I'm like, you know, it's like the our the f- ple- our pleasure came from their pain, <laughs> you know? It's the, yeah, it's the, it's the fruits of labor, so to speak. Yeah. And so, yeah, Mob Rules is amazing, and it's my number two just because I – in looking at all their stuff, I went, yeah, it's – the fact that they made they had this other era with this other vocalist who yeah I, I love Tony Martin but Dio is just a guy that like I said he just his his presence graces whatever he happens to be on and um, just the fact that they pulled it together and made this kind of album when they when their original vocalist was off making his own iconic music and then they make mob rules it's just pretty fucking sweet so i had to put it here at number two which means that we have the same number one black sabbath album so that's why i'm saying that's why this worked out perfectly because we get in our number twos we get tony martin and ronnie james dio and the number one we just we we reach we're at this, the same the same destination. We made this huge journey in completely different <laughs> ways, but it led us both to the same album. So take it away, um, Edward the Great Sparks. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Master of Reality yeah. embodies, embodies exactly what I come to Black Sabbath for. Uh-huh. It, it's that fuzzy, heavy smoky riffage yeah that and and it just persists throughout so smoky a, that there's even coughing on one of the songs <laughs> yeah right out of the gate yeah with um sweet leaf which is one of i would say probably top 10 favorite riffs of all time yeah like covered sweet by is, ugly kid joe which is what i was about to say oh, sorry that ugly kid <laughs> ugly kid joe uh introduced me to Sweet Leaf. Oh, okay, and cool. So I heard Sweet Leaf, their cover of it, on 
uh, as ugly as they want to be. Mm-hmm. And that made me go out and buy Master of Reality because I love both versions. Yeah. Um, even though even though the Ugly Kid Joe cover is only the first half of the song and yeah. then they do Funky, Funky Fresh Country Club. Yeah. But, um, God damn, this fucking song kills right out of the gate. Well, yeah, and where, where the what, song starts and where it ends is what makes it amazing to me. Yeah. Oh, um, and then right after you get after forever, uh-huh. when when that when that verse kicks in, I can't help but think, fuck yeah. And here here's the thing about the, another, this another album. Ozzy singing along with the riff again. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's the thing as well. It's not a long album, but every single part of it is perfect. Yeah. Um, Embryos, this short little acoustic guitar interlude that these it's like twenty seconds, mm-hmm. um, but I love that it's there. Yeah, because um, it leads right into Children of the Grave, yeah. which is an awesome, absolute anthem of early heavy metal. Um, Orchid is another one of these acoustic guitar interlude tracks, but it's longer and it's much more of an instrumental yeah. than it is just an interlude. Um, it's almost like they get, get, they give you like a little breather, yeah. And, and I, I like that. The, the songs the, are too good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like you we, we're you we, we're literally blowing your mind. Now just get, get, regroup for a minute, and then uh, yeah. and then we'll do it again. I love the way it's sequenced as well because you kind of get you get a heavy one, you get a little quiet bit, you get a heavy one, you get a quiet bit, you get a heavy one because it like. Next up, you got Lord of This World. Oh, Such yeah. a groovy song. Yeah. Like it's it's fucking mental how much groove this album has. Mm-hmm. Um and then you get Solitude, which, you know, in a similar vein to Planet Caravan, it's a super chilled out song. Yeah. Love it. I love the f- like woodwind stuff on, in there as well. And then to close out. Oh, cool. all right. Do it. Boom! Oh, I had to bring the bass in there too. That's all, that's all right. Oh, what a fucking killer song. He's, talk, he's, like, t- he's talking about Into the Void, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yeah, in case they didn't know. Which, like, like, that's just, like, that's that's my favorite Black Sabbath song. And, um, there's a, God, and, 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 and that's one, okay, that, that, okay, so this is similar to you with, uh, Ugly Kid Joe. I first heard this when Soundgarden covered it. Yep. On the, that weird EP they put out, um, right after... Um, a bad motor finger. I don't remember what it was co- what it was called. Uh, it's got a really uh, weird, like- long, all the words are combined title, and um, and that, that it was on that. And they also covered like a Devo song, I think, and something else on there. But because at that point, like I had only heard we sold all, so, sold our soul for rock and roll, which Into the Void is not on. I don't know fucking why. And then <laughs> I had heard Headless Cross. That was my Black Sabbath that I had heard by that point. And I just remember hearing Soundgarden cover Into the Void. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And like, there was that was it. That was, you know, <laughs> like it's like the best riff I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Followed here, here by another is, bit of awesome riff. Here it is. It's uh, Satan Oscillate by Metallic Sonatas. 
Yeah, that's the one. So I think that's it was the... it was either it was either an EP that I think it came along like they did a special version of Bad Motorfinger and it was an extra CD that came with it. I think I think it's since awesome. been released on its own. I'm not really sure, but that's a hell of a fucking EP. Also, <laughs> go 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 listen to our Soundgarden ranking. We did one of those. We also did an Ugly Kid Joe ranking. So yeah, hell yeah, there you go. Ooh, and ooh, and ooh. we and we did a Faith No More ranking. All these bands that that have covered Sabbath, we've we've already covered them. Well, we didn't cover them. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> awesome man. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about Master of Reality? I mean, it's I. It's just it. It it it's one of those that if if you want to say Black Sabbath, the album Black Sabbath, and and to an extent as well, Paranoid. Started heavy metal. Yeah. Master of Reality started Doom. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I, I agree. In fact, the reason why I put this one at number one, well, aside from it just being a fucking fantastic album, but I was talking earlier about the original Black Sabbath album having, you know, a really big influence over what became metal. But Master of Reality, to me... I almost feel like you can trace all metal subgenres, not all metal subgenres, but a good amount of them back to Master of Reality. Stoner, yeah. Doom, Grunge, like you, yeah. all of these things, I feel like any of those bands in any of those genres, you can even put like, I know, I know, I know there's other offshoots like Sludge and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like all of those bands would just point and say like, well, it, Master of Reality is where, like, all of the all of the pioneering bands of those sub 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 genres, <laughs> you know, there's all yeah. there's so many subs going on. I feel like this is where it all came from, because it's just yeah, it's it's kind of like it's it's one of those albums that never stopped being cool to like. Yeah, like, that's the thing. When when you get grunge. Grunge is, you know, kind of retaliated against the metal of the 80s and, and even what Sabbath were probably doing in the 80s. But they had a major respect for this era of Sabbath because, yeah. you know, all they were doing was playing these sorts of riffs with a punky attitude. And, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I, and I feel in, in comparison to how I feel about volume four, like I, I feel like that one isn't warranted the status that it's given because it's not as good to me. It's nowhere near as good as master of reality. It's got great shit on it, but mm. master of reality is one of those albums that like, if somebody says like, that's the, that's our Bible for whatever band you're in, I'd be like, I, I, I fucking get it. Cause it's just, mm. cause even the sound on this, like the progression of production quality from black Sabbath to paranoid to master of reality, like it's, it gets better and better. And just the fact that like, I think that Tony Iommi tuned down more on Master of Reality. And, oh, yeah. And we haven't even, we have not even mentioned the fact that Tony Iommi wrote all these amazing riffs without having the tips of three of his fingers. Is that, is that what, he, what yeah. he's missing? Like, so he, he, uh, he, in his, at his work, like he chopped them off with a saw, right? The, the ends of his yeah. fingers. Yeah, it was like a big industrial. Um, press or something. And so, yeah. and so he had to fashion his own fingertips. But even then, yeah. like imagine playing guitar and you couldn't feel it. I mean, you could feel maybe the pressure, but th then 
he, you know, like I'm not going to say that Tony Iommi is the best guitarist ever because he's not. He's a great guitarist, but there's a there's a to me like all my favorite guitarists are not virtuosos, but they are geniuses in their own field. They got a set of tools, so and you, they they use their personality more. Yeah. yeah. So because because like you know some of my favorites like well riff wise you got James Hetfield. James Hetfield's not a guy that's going to give you a weedly weedly solo, but he just has riffs coming out of his yeah. ass all the time. <laughs> and then like somebody like Alex Lifeson from Rush, another one of my favorites. He's not a, mm. he's not a perfect guitar player at all, and but he's got he does this thing his own spin on it that just sounds so amazing to me and then tony iomi is one of the guitar players where he's not he's not he's not a virtuoso when it comes if you're comparing him to like Ingve momsteen or i don't know steve Vai or any of those people that's like you know just perfect yeah. at everything they do but he wrote these fucking riffs in these <laughs> first six albums or so and overcame an injury that would make most people quit playing guitar. I probably would have quit playing guitar. And I've just been like, maybe I wanted to still do music. Okay. Maybe I'll just be a vocalist. Well, you know, whatever. But he was just like, fuck that. I'm just going to make my own fingertips. And then I'm going to, I'm going to change the face of rock music as we know it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think as well, um, uh, I watched a, I watched like an interview with, um, Tony Iommi. And he was talking about how he felt extremely disheartened uh, about it. Yeah. Like he was considering just hanging it up and, you know, changing the next 50 years drastically. But, um, yeah, apparently his, his boss or, or a manager who he was friends with found out about his injury and yeah. came over to his house knowing that he was a guitarist. And he brought a Django Reinhardt album, uh, which, for those who don't know... Django Reinhardt was a you know jazz guitarist who only had three fingers, mm-hmm. but he figured out how to he figured out how to use them to his advantage and yeah. play in his own way. And hell, that um, steel worker manager is instrumental <laughs> in yeah. heavy metal existing. He, he should be getting some kind of royalty checks. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, but yeah, and so it leads us to to master of reality where what, what uh, Eddie made a good point that like if if somebody said where should I start? Like what what would you say is the best representation of what makes Sabbath amazing? This the master of reality is that album. Like it's yeah. it's yeah, it's just like I mean, sure, like I I I wouldn't call it my favorite because I I like what they did with Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Um, but that's just a personal preference. I really do think that when it comes to Black Sabbath, if you say the name Black Sabbath, it should just be a picture mm. of Master of Reality. Like here's 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 everything you need. Um, take this and then just dive in however you want with all of the rest of their shit. <laughs> so I I I felt really good putting this one at number one because I'm just like yeah, it's so influential. It's when it comes to their stuff, I believe it's the most, it's the tightest offering of stuff. And honestly, like I say this a lot, but man, shorter albums should be a thing. Like yeah, I'm, I'm tired. Sure. I'm tired of really long albums. That new maiden album is way too fucking long. <laughs> oh, I, I haven't, I haven't listened to it yet. I, 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 I'll keep I my thoughts to, to myself. Cause I'm going to be talking about it on the next episode of old bollocks with me and Howard oh. H Smith. 
But um, cool. But it, it to, I can't say it's too long. I sent him a friend request, by the way, but I know on his Facebook it, it says he doesn't respond to Eddie when he doesn't know. It's me. It's Eddie. I'm yeah. Will. Howard, are you <laughs> listening to this episode? Approve yeah. um, Eddie's – or it, it's through your, your your real name, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, but – but I've put I've put in my I've put in my bio uh, Eddie. By the way, okay. I'm kind of doxing myself here, but I, I don't mind. That's all right. That's all right. Eddie's yeah. name is not Eddie. Uh, my name is not old. So you know, it's, we all have <laughs> we all have our our disguises that we wear. Um, all right, so shit, man, we did it. That's like we, th- three episodes of of Black Sabbath ranking, and we. We we did it, man. We did it. Yeah. Um, never more the whipping boy. <laughs> it never <laughs> it never gets old. It never gets old. Um, and and um, I do have to say that I did that. I I nobody can see this at home because this is not on video. But um, I I subliminally put out a message with my shirt that I'm wearing. Um, because whenever we get around to doing another massive three-parter, I'm going to insist yeah. that it be Rush. Um, because oh, I thought I thought you were going to be cryptic that it was like it's a synonym for hurry. Oh no, no, it's okay because I, I don't know how soon we're going to get to it. It could be months and months down the road. But whenever we get to that point where we're like, you know what, I think we're ready for a massive undertaking again. I I want that to be Rush because I tell you what. I was listening to moving pictures the other day oh, in the car and I was like, fucking I, fantastic. I, I, was, I was thinking, cause that's one of the rush albums. I, I, I know very well. Yeah. That's the thing with rush. I know a few albums really well. And then the rest, I need to do a massive the, deep dive. The, so that that's going to be fun simply because of the fact that the album that, that people would mostly put really low, which is called hold your fire. I guarantee yeah. it's going to be high up on your list because it is eighties <laughs> production their songwriting kind of shifts a little bit. It's not, it's not like progressive rock really anymore. Um, yeah. but it's, I just, that's <laughs> going to be the fun thing is like you hearing eighties rush and I'll be like, well, I guess moving pictures is eighties rush, but they've already like, you know, I would say, you know, moving pictures is still pretty progressive at times, but, um, yeah. But anyway, but, the, but, but that's, that's what, I, that's why I wore this shirt. Cause I'm all like, we're finishing up black Sabbath. I'm putting out into the universe. That, uh, that Rush will be Rush the will next be down, big one down the line. Um, yeah. j- just because it's one of my favorite bands ever. And um, but yeah, this has been this has been awesome. We I really love how this wrapped up. Um, and w- thanks to everyone out there, peanut butter platypus, um, to you all f- for you know, you know I've I've seen some really nice comments about just how good we're doing at at presenting something like this. You know, a three parter of of hour and a half long episodes about one band. Um, yeah. and it seems like, <laughs> it seems like the, the, the number one thing that, that I would like to accomplish is for people out there to feel like we're giving this music, the respect it deserves. And I think yeah. that we do, I may talk a little shit here and there, but you know, that's why we're not, that's why we're not here covering, you know, Creed, <laughs> Although, who knows? Maybe one day we will. But at that point, I can't really promise that I'll be respectful because that's some of that music is fucking intolerable. But, Can um, you take <laughs> me higher? 
<laughs> I love that. I always thought that was such a weird shoe in little m- melody. There's like, who threw the guitar player was like, I got to do something to show off. This song is so fucking boring. I'm just going to go. <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah. So that's because, because I feel like for the most part, we, we want to talk about music where we do have, you know, deep down an appreciation and respect for it. And, Honestly, like there's there's none more respected in the world of metal than uh, than Black Sabbath. I mean, really. Um, Hell yeah. So yeah, that's that's the that wraps it up for Black Sabbath. We've we fucking ranked them, man, and I'm I feel good about it. It's it, I feel I almost feel like it really because I was always really sort of on the fence about what's my favorite Black Sabbath album, and doing mm-hmm. this has really made me go, oh yeah, it's Sabbath, bloody Sabbath for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, do you have any parting words for the audience before we go? Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is one of those times where, um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I had something really good then, but it's gone. <laughs> bring, bring it back to Wayne's World Two. There, it rained all morning and it cleared up in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> all right well on on that note uh we're gonna get the fuck out of here um thank you all for listening um we're gonna be coming back next time with uh with a shorter discography um and one that's gonna be kind of our first foray and do a specific subgenre right yeah uh have we done a have we done a band in this vein yet? I don't think that we have. I don't think ah. anything that we've done so far could be qualified as this genre. Um, so, um, oh shit, there's like fucking the outro music is playing <laughs> while I'm trying oh. to record. It's like <laughs> it's telling me something. Wrap it up, bitch. <laughs> it's um, the Oscars. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they start playing the music over the speech. I'm sure nobody could, could even <laughs> fucking hear it, but it started playing on my computer. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, uh, um, new subgenre, a, a really fun band to tackle next time. So make sure you you uh, tune in. I don't know, just you know, once you see it pop up on your device, go give it a listen because it's going to be fun. Um, but that's all for today's episode of Cranked and Ranked. Thank you very, 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 very. I could say very a million times, and it would not be enough. Much very um, for <laughs> for listening and supporting us. And we'll see you all very soon. And as usual, I'm going to throw it over to uh, my good man, Mr. Edward J. Sparks Esquire, to take us out. Later, dude!